16 to 19. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 16 to 19. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Like a wick, sorry. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Can we say verse 19 together? Ready? Go. Hallelujah. God is always up to something new. I said God is always up to something new. The God we serve is a God that is always making things new. Uh, The the choir was in the spirit when they sang that he makes all things new. Hallelujah. And the seasons of life epitomizes God's changing nature. Um, You will see that you have... We are just about to enter the season of fall, isn't it? We have autumn, then after autumn it becomes winter. After winter it becomes spring, and then after spring it's summer. And these seasons, four seasons, are characterized by certain features. When you see the leaves falling, you know we are, we are in autumn, right? Leaves are falling. It's autumn. The place becomes white. It's winter. Then leaves begin to sprout. The, 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 the seedlings are sh- begins to come forth, shoot out of the, the, the ground. You know that it is spring. When everywhere becomes green and it's hot, you know it is summer. God is always doing something new. And he expects us to move in tandem with him. Are you, are you getting it? And sometimes as Christians, we feel that we live in a one-season God where we only have one season. But God is not the God of one season. God is always doing something new. When uh, we look at the calendar that we have, it says uh, January, February, March, April, May, June. Each calendar has a, a number that represents it. Isn't it? In uh, numbers, we have 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. When we get to 10, it is starting all over again at a higher level. From 10 to 19, it's at another uh, first floor level. Then from 19, you go to 20. 20 to 29 is a second floor level. But it is repeating the same process, but at different levels. In the same way, our relationship with God always goes like 0 to 9, then you start from 10, then you go to 19, then you start from 20, and you go to 29, then you start from 30, and you go. So God is always up to something new. And we as Christians, we as children of God, must learn how to walk in step with God. Hallelujah. And we are going to, for the rest of this month, we'll be talking about beginning afresh with God, starting afresh. But I want to start from the end of what I was, I was hoping to teach to the beginning. Is that all right? So I want to start with hindrances to your new beginning or hindrances to a new beginning. The thing that will stop us from moving with God Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. 
Starting all over again is something that we need to do from time to time. Starting all over again with God is something you and I need to do from time to time. Because God is always starting. God is always, when he gets to nine, he goes back to zero, but a higher level. Are you with me? One day, God told me, I was waiting on the Lord for the team for the next year. And the Lord said to me, the next year is beginning again at a higher level. I didn't understand what it meant. But I went to church and I preached that this year is a year of beginning at a higher level. What I did not know was that it was a personal prophecy that God was going to start me all over again. And it was, even though it was starting from ground zero, it wasn't ground zero, but it was ground zero of the next floor. Are you with me? So I prepared myself and the church for starting again. What I didn't know was that God was actually preparing me to start all over again. And not to think of myself as starting from zero, but starting from 10, a new level, level or 20 to 29. Hallelujah. God is always starting something new. The season is changing. You cannot wear the clothes you wore in summer in winter. It's not possible. You cannot wear clothes. You have to change your clothes. You know, some people travel from hot countries, and they just came, and they think that it's, it is, you know, you just have to have a, what do you call it, a jeans jacket, and you'll be fine. Sister, go get some bomber jackets. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the weather changes, and you see, it creeps up on you. Before you realize, the temperature is falling. And then it's going and going and going and going. And it's getting darker and darker. By 3 p.m., the place is all dark. It is the changing scenes of life. And you expect to be able to manage in that season and not be caught out. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible said, To everything there is a season And there is what? A time. A time for every purpose under the earth. A time to be born. A time to die. A time to plant. A time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill. A time to heal. A time to break down. A time to build up. You see, there is a time. And see, when the time comes, there is something that is expected of you. Hallelujah. At the time that you need to change, you have to learn how to change. Don't allow yourself to be caught in a place where you resist the change that God is bringing you. For some of us, we have been at a, at a very, very foundational relationship with God or a very uh, minimal relationship with God for too long. God is calling you for, to a higher level, but you are resisting it. Or something is hindering you from going up with God. Hallelujah. You cannot remain in class one forever. There is something wrong if you stay in the same class for many years. How many know somebody who stayed in the same class for a very long time? For about four years, they never moved from that class. You know, you give them names. eh? And you mock them. Isn't it? Somebody said, oh, call the examiner, please. Uh, where's the slide rule? You don't, you don't know, some, most of you don't know what slide rule is, but you just you listen to what I'm saying. Because previously, we used to use slide rule instead of calculators. And slide rule is just um, like a, a wood that has a middle that you move. So you move the tan to turn 20 and you can measure and write the answer down. But what he didn't realize is that now people had scientific calculators and the slide rule had become obsolete. 
And the guy went to the exam room because he had been writing the same exam for five years. And he was expecting to receive a slide rule. And they said that we don't use slide rule anymore. Now you have to press sign cause something on the calculator and it gives you a figure. Say, uh, uh, sir, you don't understand. In, in 19 something, we got this. In the, the next year, we got this. The third year, why is that this year you want to change it? This is somebody who is resisting change. <laughs> Hallelujah. And for most of us, we have that. You see, human beings as we are, we don't like the unfamiliar. We always want something that we are used to. So when things are changing, we try to resist it. We try to fight the change because the change makes you uncomfortable. Change makes you feel out of place. Change makes you feel like you don't know where you belong. But change is good. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell them change is good. Tell them that change is good. And tell them the only thing that is permanent is change. Ah, the only thing that makes life tick is change. The only thing that makes life tick is change. See those, that beautiful white, black hair you have? Soon, it will turn gray. You see? Yeah, today, was it today or yesterday? Somebody came into my room and said, Look yeah. at me. Yeah, <laughs> this is how the person was like, Look at me. I've lost so much weight and I'm not even trying. <laughs> and this is how the person was. Said, look at me. Look. Then pull the trousers like, Look, I've lost so much weight and I'm not even trying. I don't even know what to do. Look at my ribs. Look how ripped I am. And it was like, I was lying on the bed. I said, small boys are young. <laughs> Time is coming. You wake up one day and you ask, where did the pack, the six pack go? The six pack has become one big ball in front of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. The hymn writer said that through the changing scenes of life, life is always changing. And you must learn how to change with God. Hallelujah. You, you are wondering where I'm going with this, but I want you to understand that the level that you are, with, with, you are in with God has to change at some point. You cannot stay at this place where you forget to pray every day. You forget to read your Bible every day. You, today we see you in church. The next day we don't see you. You are... Con- Consistently inconsistent with your relationship with God. That has to change. Somebody tell, stop your neighbor and say that you, some things need to change with you. What did they say? Am I talking to you or the one behind you? Things need to change. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6, it says that you have been at this mountain for far too long. You have been here trying to, you know, you, the, the journey was supposed to be 40 days. 40 days journey. But it took 40 years, and they're still not any closer to where they wanted to get to from where they started. Why? Because there was a lot of hindrances. There were a lot of hindrances in the people. So we're going to use the story of Israel. They were in the land of bondage. They were in Egypt where nothing worked. They didn't own anything. They were slaves. Nothing belonged to them. They worked more and received nothing in return. They were building things that didn't belong to them. All these things were happening to them at the time. And God saw the afflictions of his people Israel. So he prepared a servant in the backside of the desert, Moses, to come and liberate them. 
And when God visited this man that he had been preparing for many years, all these years, he took the man, took that man into Pharaoh's um, house to learn leadership, learn crisis management, learn organizational skill, learn people skill. He actually schooled Moses in, in the highest school of leadership in Egypt. With the intention that when time is right, this guy that I've been preparing in the highest school of leadership will become the leader of my people and take my people from the slave, uh, slave camp into the land that flows with milk and honey. When the time came and God went to Moses and said to Moses, I am going to send you to Pharaoh. To tell Pharaoh, let my people go. That was when God encountered hindrances to change. I am very sure that God himself was surprised at the resistance to change that came from the very people that needed salvation. The very people that needed God's help and God came to help them. It got to a point, God said, I want to kill all these people. And then Moses said, ah, but if you kill them here and bury them, people will say that you started, but you couldn't finish. You said you were going to take them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. When you got to a place, you couldn't take them anymore. You killed all of them. That is what people will say. And God said, okay. Then at the point, God was so angry. God called the people, your people, that's Moses. This is your people. That was how furious God was with. It was never my people anymore. He says that this is your people. Talk to them. Have you not realized that some fathers, when the, the children misbehave, they never talk to your son. When the, 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 the boy, the child is doing well, say, that, that is my boy. God, but God was saying to Moses, no, no, talk to your people. These guys, there is something wrong with them. Hallelujah. So I want to give you a few things that are hindrances towards taking a new step. Number one. Lack of available and willing hearts. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 9 to 11, it says that now behold, the crowd of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh and bring you to my people, the children of Egypt, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Immediately, Moses said that. I can't speak. I am a, a man of slow speech. I don't think I am your man. Maybe choose somebody. Listen, for 40 years, God has been training this man. Do you know what it means to invest in somebody for 40 years? And it comes to the time when the person has to execute. The person tells you that I'm not qualified. After 40 years, you're not qualified. When would you be qualified? What else do you want to do? What else do you want to see? Do you want to see blood? Before we judge Moses, we are all like Moses. We all feel that we are not good enough for God to use. We feel that we are not qualified enough to be God's willing vessel. We feel that we cannot become God's candidate. But look at your calling. See how God has taken you through everything. Preparing you for such a time as this. To that place where you represent him. You are the only Jesus they will see in that classroom. You are the only Jesus they will have in that residence. That house. 
that accommodation. You are the only Jesus. You are the only representative of God there. Would you become a Moses and say, I can't speak? I am unqualified. I cannot be the one God will use. Or will you say, here I am. Use me. The reason why the laborers are the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, is because the people who are being called into the harvest field as laborers feel that they are not qualified to harvest. They feel they are not worth God's usage. They feel that they, they are not holy enough. They don't know enough. They are not strong enough. They don't pray enough. How many, know what, how many can identify yourself in any of the things that I'm saying? The day I come, if I come and say that Lord has spoken to me to appoint you as a pastor, immediately you become a Moses. Say, I, I can't speak. I, I, I don't know much. I am unqualified. I, I'm not available. I don't have time. Yes, last week I was saying that God calls busy people. He doesn't call idle people. Everybody God ever used from Genesis to Revelation was a busy person. No lazy person was used by God. Hallelujah. No, no, no. There's no lazy person in the Bible that was used by God. It was always busy people. Even the devil is a very busy man. <laughs> there are no lazy people in the Bible. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, come and I will send you. It means that God needs you and I for that new thing that he wants to do. That new thing cannot be done by God alone without you. God cannot do the new thing independent of you. God needed the willingness of Israel, needed the willingness of Moses, needed the willingness of the leaders of Israel to help in the new emancipation that he was bringing to them. Hallelujah. He needed them to be willing to go, to get, go with God into the new place. But what did he get? People were, it was almost as if God came to disturb them. They were happy in uh, Egypt. Even though they were crying. They were crying to God. And when God came, they said, oh, you see, you have come to disturb us. We like the leeks and the onions and garlic in Egypt. Number two. Wrong association. The reason why most times we don't hear the voice of God, we don't flow with the things of God, we don't become committed to God is because we are associated with the wrong people. You know, the scripture in Exodus chapter 12 verse 38 says that there were mixed multitude. The, when Israel came out of Egypt, it wasn't just those who were Egyptians, Israel, Israelites that came out. There were certain people that were mixed with the Israelites who were not Israelites. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. People came that were not as really part of those who had to go. They came with certain people. Watch your friends. Watch the people that you associate with. They will either make your journey smoother and take you to the place where you are going quicker or they will retard your progress and pull you back. A mixed multitude went up with them also. Flocks and heads and a great deal of livestock. You see that these guys were part of the ones who always brought negative reports. In Numbers chapter 11, verse 33, when they, they sent the spies to go and spy out the land, and they had come. When they came, see, the land that you sent us was flowing with milk and honey. We saw, we saw everything nice, but, but we saw the sons of Anak there. We saw the giants. We were like grasshoppers 
in their eyes. And so were we. When Joshua and Caleb tried to quieten the people, they said, no, we can't do it. We can't go. Why? Because the association. The association. The association. The Bible says that beware. Evil communication corrupts all good manners. Evil association. Some, some uh, versions say that evil association. I think the NIV, give me the NIV. It says that evil association corrupts. Have you found the scripture? First Corinthians 15, 33. The NIV. Have you got the NIV? Yeah. It says that do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company. What company do you keep? Listen. It is okay to have a lot of acquaintances. But don't have many friends. Acquaintances are people you come, you bump into. Your coursemates, roommates, you know, flatmates, you know, neighbors, work colleagues. They are acquaintances. Don't make them your friends. Unless they are going where you are going. In Moses chapter 3, verse 3, how can two work together except they be in agreement? If, you, if the person is not going where you are going, don't, don't make them your friend. Make them an acquaintance. If you are a serious-minded person, you choose your friends. Don't let people choose you. Oh, you don't like what I'm saying? Don't let, don't, don't uh, this is my best friend. What makes them your best friend? What is the qualification? Where are they going in life? This boyfriend or this, this, this best friend has about five side chicks, a wife, always in debt. The bailiffs are always coming for him. And you say it's your best friend. Guess what? After a few months, the bailiffs will be coming for you. You will see that you also have side chicks. Because when he's going to his side chicks, he takes you along. And the side chick has a, a best friend side chick. Waiting for you. What do you think is going to happen? You will be side-checked. Hallelujah. So before you qualify and say, this is my friend, find out where they are going in life. What exactly are their ambitions? See, for some of us, we have moved into a new city. And situation has muggled you into to certain companies. But be wise. I say be wise. Don't allow situation to put you into different companies that you don't want to belong. Uh, so I'm lonely. I don't know anybody. And these guys, you know, when I came into the city, these guys, I, I met the, the first time and they took me in. And, this, and, and they are always in the, in the pub. They are always dodgy. They are selling things. Selling things. They are not pharmacists, but they are always selling medication. They never went to any pharmacy school, but they're selling pills. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Be very deliberate in life. Be deliberate with the people you call friends. Be deliberate with the... I mean, I have a lot of acquaintances, but you can't just be my friend. I have to check your CV. 
I have to do a CIB check on you. Have you been to prison before? Have you killed somebody? Who was the last person you betrayed? Who was the last person you sold out? I want to check your, your criteria credentials before I call you my friend. In case you, you are a, a serious seller of people. I may be the next person you will be selling. Or you don't like the message. For some of us, you are the bad friend. Every person that comes into contact with you, they turn out becoming a bad person. Because after you fall out with the person, you make sure the whole world doesn't flow with that person again. It's a very demonic thing. When you fall out with somebody, let it be between you and the person. Don't bring others to also fall out with the person because you fell out with the person. Why? We have misunderstanding. The fact that I have a misunderstanding with you doesn't mean that you make all these people have a misunderstanding with you. And if you are a fool to have a misunderstanding, that is a second hand, hand or third hand. You don't know anything about it because the person has fallen out. You to join to fall out. The problem doesn't involve you. You have collected it. You are going to fight somebody. Why? Because you only have one side of the story. You don't have the two sides of the story. And you are just going. The Bible says, Absalom took 200 men who went in the simplicity of their mind. Fools. They went into their death following somebody. Let me go and hide behind the, the cross. <laughs> I don't want problems. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Don't allow, don't allow any association to hinder you from the progress. Maybe this is where God was going to bring you your blessing. Maybe this is where God was going to bring your prosperity. Maybe this is where God was going to bring your husband or your wife. This is where God was going to bring your, your, your business partner who was going to make you a millionaire. But because I fell out with him and I told you to fall out with him, you also foolishly fell out with him. And that is the end of your blessing. You have been cut off because I was the hindrance to your blessing because I made you fall out with somebody who was supposed to be your source of blessing. Mm. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm trying to say? Number three, ingratitude. Ingratitude. The reason why we don't appreciate God and what he does is because we're always asking for the next thing that he hasn't done. We're always looking for what he hasn't done, not what he has done. For almost 98.8% of us sitting in this room, 10 years ago, you were praying to be sitting here. Now that you are sitting here, you haven't taken time to thank God. You are thinking about when will he when will he do this? When will he do that? But remember that 10 years ago you were fasting and praying to be here. Now that you are here, you haven't even taken time to say thank you. You haven't taken time to say thank you. Rather you on to the next thing. The reason why the Israelites never made it to the promised land, those guys never made it. Those guys that were there never made it to the promised land was because they were ungrateful. God parted the Red Sea. They walked through dry land. Can you imagine? This side is water. This side is water. There's dry ground. You walk through it. And then those who are coming on chariots after you, the same ground they were walking in, the water comes back and takes them all out. 
Still. It's like, oh, that one, we have forgotten about it. Now we need water. Now we need food. What is this manna that you have been giving us? You don't want manna. Want, where are the, 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 the meats? Where are the, the steroid steak? Where are those lamb chops? We want lamb chops, not uh, manna that you put in your mouth. You don't chew. Then it disappears. You know, some people in this room, unless they swallow something, they haven't eaten. They are sitting somewhere here. They have to feel something big go through their their throat, then they feel that, okay, now if eat it. it. Smoothie, okay. If it is, you know, like a salad, salmon, uh, don't waste my time. So that they have to put the, the meat here and then they say, huh, I'm not eating. They were ungrateful. The songwriter says, count your blessing, name them one by one, and you see what the Lord has done for you. Yeah. Once you become grateful, it's easy to attract God. Hallelujah. Gratitude always makes room. Gratitude makes room. Anybody that was grateful to Jesus received more. Remember that one leper that returned to say thank you? He said, go and become whole. The others were healed, but not whole. There's a difference between being healed and being made whole. Uh, I don't know whether you get it. Because for their blind, their, their, their uh, state, they had not been able to work. So they were in debt. So he took, turned them all for their healing. They all got healed. Now you can walk. Now you can run, but you are still in debt. The one who returned to say thank you, his debt were paid. The house that had been uh, repossessed was given back to him. The car that he lost was given back to him. Not only is he working, now he has his house back, he has his car back, he has his family back. But others went just with their legs and they have to start again. Listen, be grateful. Be grateful for the little things. That is why it's very important to share your testimony. No matter how small you think it is, it's a big thing. You know, I remember one day somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I had a headache. And uh, I came for the service and you prayed. And my headache is gone. Oh, but it was just a slight headache. A brain tumor starts with just a slight headache. But it's a brain tumor. So it's not just a slight, oh, it was a slight miracle. It's not. No miracle is a slight one. No thing, nothing that God gives you is just a trivial thing. Numbers 11, 1. Now the people complained and it displeased the Lord for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned them and consumed them in the outskirts of the camp. These guys were, were crying, crying, always complaining, complaining. How many know somebody who knows somebody who is not here but knows somebody who likes to complain about a lot of things. Give me a wave. You know somebody who's always complaining. Don't have that attitude where you're always complaining. It's, it's not a very good spirit. Some of us, our prayer is all complaints. Anytime you come to God, Lord, thank you, and then you start complain from beginning to end of your prayer. Now, if you say amen, I'm going. Bible says that the anger of the Lord was aroused because of the 
ingratitude and murmuring and complaints. Hallelujah. Never become somebody who's always looking for the next thing without thanking and appreciating how far God has brought you. Hallelujah. Next one, number, number, is it number four? All right, give me number four. Unbelief. Unbelief. Another factor that hinders our starting all over again is unbelief. Unbelief is just a combination of fear in your heart about your situation and doubt concerning God's promises. Unbelief is a combination of fear and doubt. The opposite of fear is faith. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must know that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you have fear, it means faith is not part of you. And it also means that you displease God. And when you doubt, it's also a bigger brother of fear. That this God, I suspect him. This God, I don't think he, he's able to do. This God will not do. He will not come through for me. See, each step of the way, Israel doubted God. When Moses came and told the leaders that God has sent me, they asked, what is his name? Who is he? They saw the ten plagues. They saw it. And it never happened to them in Goshen. But they still didn't believe in this God. This God took them to the, the bank of the sea, the Red Sea. Had brought you out of Egypt to the sea. They still didn't, they had doubts. Say, what are we going to do? Crying and complaining. Moses parted the sea. They went through. And from that time till their children entered in, there was always doubt, series of doubt about God. And that is how come they couldn't start all over again with God. How do you start with a God who you are, you are doubtful of? How do you start with a God you don't really think will be able to do for you? How? I am sure everyone in this room, if I was to give you the opportunity, God has come through for you. God has helped you. God has healed you. God has delivered you. One way or the other, God has always been there. Why are you still doubting him? Why do you still not believe in him? Doubt is not a good thing. Fear is not a good thing. Don't allow the combination of fear and doubt to prevent you from getting to a, a higher relationship with God. Amen. It's time for us to come up higher in our work with God. It's time to come up higher. This is the time that God is calling you to a better relationship with him. He's calling all of us in this room. God is calling us to a, a higher relationship in him. And we cannot do that from the level where we are. We have to come up. And we cannot do that if we still doubt the God that has brought us to this place. Amen. Number five. Feeling of guilt and unworthiness. Remember how Moses felt that he did not qualify to bring them out. Listen, you cannot be too sinful for God to use. You cannot be too, too deep in sin or too deep in trespasses that God cannot heal. There's no way you can hide from God. In Psalm 139 verse 7, There's no way we can have Psalm 139 verse 7. Give me the scripture quickly. Psalm 139 verse 7. 
Where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my head, bed in hell, some, uh, I think that King James says that if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Verse 9. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will uphold me. Hallelujah. There's nowhere we can go. That is too far and too sinful for God not to use us. This is the opportunity. For some of us, we have come out of a very funny lifestyle, very funny, and you are now here. It's a new season. God sent me to tell you it's a new season. This is a season that he's calling to draw closer to him. This is a season that you should, you should forget about the past. The past must be left in the past. He says that, behold, I am doing, forget the former things, for I am doing a new thing. Hallelujah. Forget the old failures. Forget the old mishaps. Forget the old missteps. God is doing a new thing in your life. And don't allow your past to hold you back. Your past mistake is something that God can use in your future to be a blessing. Hallelujah. Your past errors are Bible says that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. To them that are the called according to his purpose. The good, the bad, and ugly is working for you. Hallelujah. So allow yourself to forget your missteps. Allow yourself to forget the past. Allow yourself to move away from what you did wrong. And allow God to use you and do right with you. Am I talking to somebody? Oh, am I talking to somebody? Let me give you that one last one and we can close with that. Is that okay? Have you learned something today? All right. Where are we? Number six. Influence of godly, supposedly godly people. The first one we looked at was influence of wrong association, isn't it? But influence of people that would take sidetrack you. People that look like they are with you. But they either help you to stay where you are. Moses had two siblings, Miriam and Aaron. They were supposed to be his lieutenants, people that were together with him. But for most of the missteps that Moses did, it was either led by Aaron orchestrated by Miriam. When Moses went to the mount to receive the commandments, when he came back, his assistant that he left, Aaron, had organized the people to build a golden calf. And they were dancing naked around the calf. And Moses, in his great anger, Use the stones that he had collected with the writings of God himself to break that golden calf. Who was it that did that? It was the one he put in charge. Be careful about good people supposedly that move you away from the direction you need to go. There are some good people that will come into your life and then say, oh, they are helping you in church and everything. 
But then they'll start telling you something bad about the pastor. So that now you can't hear what the pastor is saying anymore. Miriam started accusing Moses because Moses had married an Ethiopian girl. Because of Keturah, Miriam was pointing fingers. I preached a message about dogs. Beware of dogs. There are some dogs that are in the church that you need to know. Hello? In Acts chapter 20, the Bible talks about beware of dogs. Dumb dogs. There are some dogs that you have to watch out for. They appear godly. They are in the house of God. But they will pull you away from the things of God. They will, because of them, you will never get close to God. Because they don't have any, they don't want to be. They are, they, they are close enough. But they are close as agents to prevent you from getting higher. Oh, pastor. Yes, he's a good guy. But sometimes you have to be careful. Don't be too, you came for studying, so you just study. Don't be too involved in church. That's it. Sounds like a good advice. It's just a tiny, a poison is always tiny compared to the big water that it infects. Just a little drop. That's it. The whole system is poisoned. How many understand what I'm saying? So beware of certain influence. They sound like good. But they're preventing you from getting closer to God. You need to beware. Let me give you the very last one. Is that okay? Or it's time for us to go. Ignorance of God's character and principle. God is a God of the second chance. God is always waiting for you to draw near to him. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22, the Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In James chapter 4 verse 8, he says that if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. God is waiting for us to say, I am ready to draw closer to you. And as soon as we say that, God opens his arms wide. Last week we were talking about the prodigal son. When the son decided that he was going to go to the father's house and go and see, here's the speech. I'll go and say to my father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Make me like one of the servants. Before a guy could rehash his speech, his father threw his arms around him and ordered for a ring to be brought, ordered for a best, the brand new gown to be given to him and the biggest party thrown for him because the father was not interested in the speech. God is not interested in the speech that you have to give. God is interested in you coming to him. Stand to your feet.